0: Corey and I'm Katie King, and this is True Crime New, Crime, New England. England. What's up, everybody?
1: Hello, welcome back.
0: How's it going?
1: Good, how are you? Oh,
0: fine. we been the dream. <laughs> We're here, we're doing it. I'll say it every time. Damn right. Yeah, just excited to be recording. Yeah, spending for sure. time with you. <laughs> oh Liz. my god, That's so sweet. <laughs> how cute. Y'all, because it's so fun, and you know what? We do a lot of research, so when we can finally like put this together, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun.
1: Oh my god, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm always good when I'm recording and doing, doing what I love <laughs> and not getting paid. It's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. Yeah, but yes. it's worth it. It's so worth it. Especially with all the DMs and the emails we get. Oh, my God. We've gotten so many lately. Oh, my God. Yeah, you guys have been keeping us busy. We love it. We love interacting with you guys. It's been crazy. We've, you know, since we came back from our holiday break, we got an influx of followers and DMs and emails and listens. And it's been so amazing. It's been so amazing. So hello to all of our new friends that have come to join us. It's really nice to have you. We hope you stick around for a little while. We're working on it. We're getting better, we're improving, and we're taking your criticisms and your constructive constructive criticisms and your helpful tips and we're taking them, we're using them. So I hope I don't disappoint you. <laughs> but it's just so nice to get all these emails. They're almost all like, hi, I love the show. Here's a little case that I have. And it's like, oh my
1: God, thank you. It's so nice. So someone named Gail, hi Gail, if you're listening. um, Gail sent us an email with a couple different cases out of Maine. Yes. And one of them I was like, oh my god, no way, somebody else knows about the alien house in Bristol.
0: I saw that, I mean, I responded to their email. Yeah. And um, I added it to our list and then you saw that and you were like, hey, the alien house how do you
1: know about that i was like shut up because over the summer i went there i took a three hour road trip oh
0: my god and i
1: went there um (gasps) so the reason we wanted to talk about this in the intro is because i'm gonna post some photos i took on my film camera on the instagram yes um true crime any all lowercase instagram Mm (laughs) <laughs> please um but i was like it'd be so cool if we could do a whole episode on it but there's yes. no information so it's this crazy house it's called the alien house because it's just the structure yeah it's so strange
0: you showed me pictures that you yeah. took and i was like this does not look functional as a home
1: it's so crazy and it's completely abandoned so you can go <gasps> inside there's graffiti mm-hmm. everywhere um there used to be this structure where it would have been awesome to stargaze or <gasps> yeah. talk to aliens. I don't sure. know if that's the reason, but. <laughs> oh, maybe. It's this triangle-shaped house, and then you climb all the way up the stairs, and it's just so strange, and then there's this column oh. with a ladder, and you <gasps> can climb up the ladder and get to a 360 outlook on like the top. A cupola or something? Yeah. Wow. Almost, yeah. In the middle of the woods? In the middle of the woods. It's oh. down this dirt road mm-hmm. it's so scary this long dirt road my car almost got stuck a couple times um we don't condone trespassing by the way this is just something i did yeah this is
0: <laughs> don't we do don't as i say not what <laughs> i do And first the pictures grade. that i took so you don't
1: have to go <laughs> yes she she did a big sacrifice for us and here, i'm guys. not disclosing the location so don't ask me yes so these two houses were built for an artist. Okay. No one knows who this artist guy is. Okay. But he must be very particular because these two houses were almost done. And then they just stopped they building. stopped. Wow. I guess it wasn't to his liking or something. Do you know when they were built? No, but it's pretty recent. Oh, recently. Okay. I think it was within what? the last, I want to say within the last couple decades. Okay. Like it's not old, old. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look old, old like that. But it's so crazy. There's all this crazy graffiti Mm -hmm. and there was furniture at one point, (gasps) but then you go and everything's trashed from vandals. And I just wanted to go and take pictures, but it's really, really cool. So Gail, thank you so much for sending that into us. Yes, that was a great Um, suggestion. Yeah, um, because I got to go. I drove three hours one way to mm -hmm. go take pictures of this thing. And it was so worth worth it. it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Did you feel like eerie
1: in it? It felt okay. It was more eerie because Mm -hmm. of the graffiti okay sure there was a graffiti clown staring at me when I walked in some of the wood was rotting because Mm -hmm. the ceiling had kind of caved in yeah um and so you had to be really careful where you stepped and so as I'm like tiptoeing in I'm being so careful there's a bee's nest or a yellow jacket's nest there I can hear them and they're (gasps) kind of flying around but it was okay it was safe okay um Just broken glass, Mm -hmm. beer bottles, beer cans, teenagers doing stupid shit. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was so, so cool oh that's awesome That's so cool and then me and my friend that I went with wanted to climb up to the top (gasps) of that structure yeah but it just was not safe
0: yeah because
1: the ladder was exposed to the outside oh so it was all splintery and and probably wicked weathered and stuff wow and it's straight up and down it's a ladder built (gasps) in it's like rungs built into the side so I'm like you can get up but how the fuck are you gonna get down yeah
0: That's creepy. So I just
1: looked. I I just, yes, admired it. Yes, If you will. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, but the alien house um, in Bristol, and you guys can try to find out where it is.
0: Good luck. We won't tell you. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, thanks, Gail. Yeah, so thank you so much, Gail. That made my whole day when you sent us that. And what made my whole day when we got that email was that they signed it off with, P.S., I love all of your cats' names. (laughs) I loved that. I was like, yes. Absolutely, you should. Thank
1: you. We <laughs> felt so appreciated.
0: Yes. And, I mean, the girls, of course, were like, thank you. You know? They feel loved. They feel loved. They just want to be a part of our podcast. Of course. Yeah, they they all love the appreciation. And even though Ladybug um, has a foot fetish, <laughs> I still love her. <laughs> um, but anyway, that was just a little fun Talk of, oh, my God, we love our followers, which we do. They send us great emails and DMs before, of course, the usual uh, bringing it back down to sadness kind of deal, which we do often. And today is no exception. yep So while last week we did end with a positive note because James Tillman was exonerated from a horrible crime, unfortunately, this one is just not a happy ending like that.
1: No, and it's morbid in a whole lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, it's it's intense, and it's one of those ones that it, what makes it worse is that it's not solved. Mm-hmm. So I just finished reading Green River Running Red by Anne Rule. It took me like two months to read it, but it was so good. And obviously it's about the Green River killer, mm-hmm. Gary Ridgway. And when we were doing research for this case, it started to kind of remind me of Gary Ridgway because he he killed so many women and they were all sex workers, Um, you know, he did awful, awful things to them, and he would just dispose of them, you know, in the Green River or on the side of a highway or, like, in brush, and this killer has the same kind of idea. Mm -hmm. So it's just crazy to me that, you know, this was happening just like it was out in Seattle, but here in Massachusetts. It's crazy. It's
1: really crazy. And
0: it's so fascinating too, but it's just really just a lot of names and a lot of sad situations and a lot of unknown. So it's just crazy, but it really reminded me of Gary Ridgway. And of course I cannot recommend Anne Rule's books more than I already do, but that one was particularly amazing. So this case is just kind of has the same feel. Mm -hmm. So that's what reminded me of it. And it was um, happening like a little bit later, a few years after Gary Ridgway um, slowed down with his killing. Um, Of course, he never stopped until he was caught, but he had slowed down at this point. So it's just maybe it was a copycat idea. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But it's bonkers. So without further ado, today we will be covering the The new Bedford Bedford Highway Highway Killer. Killer. All right. So per usual, we will start with our sources. And Katie, will you please go first?
1: Sure. I have Wikipedia, CBS Boston, FilmDaily.co, Unsolved Penn State. That was really cool. Um, I found them at sites.psu.edu. If anybody's curious, they did a really good job. Nice. Um, The Toronto Sun and then the Sun UK.
0: Yes. All right. I had those also as well as Nacademic.com. I had um, a thread from Web Sleuths, which was there was a lot of people on that thread. It was awesome. Um, And something from a website called It was like a personal blog kind of thing. So pretty interesting. So this case is just and it goes like this with really any serial killer. A lot of it is just listing names of victims, you know, when they were found, where they were found, and that kind of thing. So that's really what a big chunk of this episode will be. But, I mean, I think we can all agree that it's only fair that their names get said and where they were found and all that. For sure. I think it's really important. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. So from around March of 1988 to April of 1989, an unknown serial killer was responsible for the deaths of between nine and 11 women. Yeah. Nine are confirmed, and there were two more women that went missing around this time. Mm -hmm. That it's pretty fair to assume that they were victims of his as well.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, the New Bedford Highway killer seemed to prey on a certain kind of victim, and it's unfair to them and it's unfair a lot of times in media, and especially back in the day, how these victims were portrayed. Mm -hmm. Um, You see it, like again, I said in the intro, the Green River Killer, he killed exclusively sex workers. And of course, they were disregarded because they had high-risk lifestyles. A lot of them had a history of drug abuse. And just naturally, in the sense of Where these cases go and how the victims are, they don't get a lot of attention. They get thrown aside because they, quote-unquote, asked for it. Mm -hmm. Quote-unquote, they're living a dangerous lifestyle. They didn't care, blah, blah, blah. Um, Unfortunately for a lot of the victims in this story, the case is the same. They were sex workers, and some of them had drug um, abuse problems. Mm -hmm. Some of them had mental health problems. It's just all a vulnerable population, a high-risk lifestyle that unfortunately leads to these crimes. It's heartbreaking. It really
1: sucks. Um, Among other similarities, most of the victims were between their 20s and 30s. Um, they were all from surrounding areas of New Bedford, but they were last seen in New Bedford. Yeah. And then the bodies that were recovered were disposed of along the sides of various nearby highways. Yeah, um, The surrounding towns women were abducted from included Dartmouth, Freetown, and Westport, Massachusetts, all along Route 140. Right,
0: right. Again, the similarities are just too great to not mm-hmm. connect. So it's pretty obvious that whoever the New Bedford highway killer was, it was this one person killing all these victims that were found. And if I'm not mistaken, I think almost all of them were strangled. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, again, the MO is just so similar to the Green River Killer. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if he was like a copycat kind of idea. Yeah. I mean, the Green River Killer killed, he was convicted of 49. um, That's crazy. But he had more. Um, So I wonder, I just wonder if
1: uh, this guy had more that just aren't known. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be shocked. So we're going to establish kind of a timeline. Um, It's a little messy because we don't have the exact order in which these women were killed because it still hasn't been determined. Right. But we do have the order in which they were found and also the dates that they were last seen.
0: Yes. So we'll be giving um, a short description for each and kind of piecing it together. Mm -hmm. Um, The way we're going to tell the order of these is when they were found. Yeah. So, um, well, let's get into it. 30 uh, year old Deborah Medeiros was last seen by her boyfriend on May 27th of 1988. On July 2nd of that same year, 1988, her skeleton was found. Um, it was partially clothed, and there was a bra around her neck. She was found by a motorist who had actually stopped to pee um, near an exit ramp on Massachusetts Route 140. Like Katie said, this is where they were all really disposed of. Mm-hmm. Um, her body was unrecognizable. You know, they could tell, obviously, it was a skeleton. She had a bra around her neck, but they could not identify her at all. The authorities were, like, kind of made the conclusion that she had been there for a while. And if you go with um, the description of, like, when she was missing, she was there for at least, you know, a month and a half. So it wasn't, like, a very recent thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Her body would not... Positively be identified until February of 1989.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, so sad. The next one was 36 year old Nancy Pava. She was last seen in New Bedford on July 7th, 1988. She was leaving a local bar. Her body was found on July 30th, 1988, along Interstate 195. She was a mother to two teenage daughters. Oh, that's
0: so sad. Mm-hmm. Especially when you bring into it that they're a mother. I mean, they're all mothers
1: or sisters or, you know, they're daughters. And most of them were moms. Most of them were doing sex work to provide for their kids and their families. Right. It's so sad. Um,
0: On the same day that Nancy actually went missing, 34-year-old Deborah DiMello also disappeared, which is like, are you serious? This guy is ruthless. Her remains were not found until November 8th of 1988 in the same area where Nancy was left. Um, she was found off the eastbound Reed Road ramp of Interstate 195 by a state highway crew. Um, she had actually walked away from a prison work release program. Like, she kind of escaped, um, or at least, you know, she was supposed to be there, and leaving would be legal trouble for her. Um, so she left that in Rhode Island in June of that year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: 25-year-old Dawn Mendez was last seen in New Bedford on September 4th, 1988, and her body was found on November 29th, 1988, alongside Interstate 195.
0: Yeah, she hadn't been missing for very long. Oh, I guess the authorities were kind of picking up on a, a theme here, and people were vigilant. They were looking out for these bodies now because they were all in the same spot. At this point, there's a pattern.
1: For sure and then the dates in which these women were going missing they're really really close to each other Mm -hmm. i mean just a couple days apart yeah yeah So it's it's, crazy
0: yeah and it's crazy that they're being found so far apart in time too Mm -hmm. and they're not being found very far from each other right so it's crazy so not very long after don mendez's body was found the skeletal remains of deborah mcconnell who was also 25 were found on december 1st 1988 um there were canines now involved in the search. And so there was an extensive, intense search party going on for bodies and just anything. Cause like I said, there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. So her body was found. um, She had been dumped off of route 140, again, similar. And she had been missing since May. So that's um, a little over six months she was missing. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, Debra also had a bra tied around her neck Ugh. and she was naked. Mm. Some of them were partially closed, some were yeah. And that's, naked. again, that's
0: the second time we've seen one with a bra over her neck, like around mm. her neck.
1: Same M.O. Yeah. 28-year-old Rochelle Clifford Dopierla was last seen in New Bedford in late April of 1988 and her body wasn't found until December 10th, 1988. Mm-hmm. She was along Reed Road in a gravel pit just two miles from Interstate 195.
0: That's awful. And again, Reed Road, that's another one that's Mm -hmm. already come up. So the terrain is a little different because it's a rock quarry, but the same area, really. So this guy, you'd think he'd be like, oh, I should probably move my dump site. No. Dumbass. Dumbass. On March 28th of 1989, so it's been like three months since they found a body, yep. the body of 28-year-old Robin Rhodes was found off the southbound Mass Route 140. She was found directly across the highway from where Medeiros was found.
1: Yeah,
0: that's right. Um, and she was last seen in April of 1988, so almost a whole year ago.
1: What's crazy about Robin is that she herself wasn't a sex worker, but she had friends that were, and mm-hmm. some of her friends are also victims. Yeah.
0: It's crazy to connect them all together like that. The connections
1: are ridiculous. Oh, man. 26 um, year old Mary Rose Santos was last seen in New Bedford on July 16th, 1988, and her body was found by two boys mm. on March 31st, 1989. That's so sad. She was along Route 88, just 25 feet from the road. Oh, And she had been dead for so long. That's awful. Can you imagine driving alongside the highway and, you know, you look out the window sometimes in the passenger seat and you wonder what's in the woods? Yeah. She was 25 feet away from the road. That's so close. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. The last victim that was found uh, was the body of Sandy Botello. She was 24. And she was found on April 24th, 1989. And she was found along the I-195. She had been missing since August of 1988. So that brings it, the total, just one, doesn't matter, too many. Too many. Um, It just breaks your heart.
1: It's crazy. (laughs) And those are the nine confirmed bodies? Yes, the confirmed.
0: There was two that are missing that... Mm. People and law enforcement have attributed to the New Bedford Hi- New Bedford Highway Killer, even though they've never been found.
1: For sure, um, 19-year-old Christine Montero was last seen in New Bedford in late May of 1988, and her body has not been recovered. Right. Although she's thought to be the youngest victim of the oh. New Bedford Highway Killer, and she also was a heroin addict.
0: Oh. See, there's the M.O. right there. Yeah, she does fit the profile. Right. And then 34-year-old Marilyn Roberts. um, She went missing in June of 1988. She has also never been found, Mm -hmm. but um, they both had the same lifestyles that all the other victims had, same area. So it's just naturally they concluded that maybe this is a connection because of the timeline as well.
1: And want to know what else is crazy? Uh Uh-oh. Marilyn and Christine, the two that have not yet been found, but you know, we, we know that they're from this killer. Yeah. They were both neighbors and both of their dads were police officers. Oh
0: my God. That's awful. Yeah. They were police officers. That's so sad. That really is sad. Yeah. So we're sitting here, it's 2022 and there's still no answers. It's been over 30 years and there's just nothing. Mm -hmm. And again, two of them haven't even been found and they're just out there. And I bet you they're probably not far away.
1: I agree. I agree, and it's so frustrating that most of these women don't have a whole lot of information about them, other than they were murdered and their bodies were dumped, and they were found naked and strangled right. with their bra, and they're drug addicts. And it's right. just the information about these women. I wish that there was more that we could talk about yeah. because they were people yes. and they had families, and most of them had kids they were trying to support. Right. So it would be really cool if we had more information to talk about the victims, but mm-hmm. it just didn't happen
0: Yeah, and that's why I like Anne Rule's um, book Because she talks about, she has full pages dedicated to these girls Like she talks to their families, and she talks about their interests, and their hobbies, and like their jobs, and like everything So it's like, I wish yeah. we could do that for these exactly. women as well It's just not fair, Mm-mm. it's just not fair and so while there's no definite answers, we do have a, an idea of suspects and there are actually a few really good ones. Like they fit it kind of well.
1: Scary well.
0: Scary well. Yeah. We have a few of them. I think there's four. We have four or five. Yeah. Um so let's go through them. Sure. Who should we start with? What do you think? Uh, Anthony DeGrazia?
1: Sure. Yeah. He sound good? He's, he's a piece of work he is a piece of work he's scary
0: he's scary his picture I was like it's even it's a side profile and I'm like yeah so So he was a 26 year old like construction worker at Mm -hmm. the time of these murders he was known around the local sex workers as flat nose because he had a super flat nose Ew. yeah I don't know to me that sounds a little reminiscent of like fetal alcohol syndrome I'm not saying he maybe, he had that, but that's like a characteristic of it. So, I mean, maybe he was not all, well, if he killed 11 women, he's not all there. But, you know, Um, he had come from a broken home that was super religious. And um, he was a regular in church and attending mass. Um, He admitted to the police that when he did buy time with sex workers, he liked to choke them. But he promised he never killed anyone. He swore up and he's like, no, I never killed anyone, I just have a fetish.
1: And they were like, okay, buddy. And sex workers were scared of him. Yes. Like Law enforcement showed some sex workers working in this one area, um, Weld Square in the New Bedford kind of area. That Mm -hmm. was a a pretty popular place for sex workers to kind of hang out. Yeah. so, law enforcement was showing his picture to sex workers, and they're like, Yeah, he choked my friend really aggressively. Yeah. You know, she said she turned purple. She could, <gasps> like, really not just playful, mm-hmm. kinky choking. Right. Like, really scary, aggressive, pushing to the edge. Like, yeah. I could kill you if I held on to your throat for 30 seconds longer, but oh, I'm not going to. That's like, so Like, he's, he's testing the idea, he's playing with it. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. He liked it. You know, he liked it. Mm-hmm. And um, the crazy part is there was one sex worker who was so brave. Her name was Margaret Medeiros. She described a man who attacked her and tried to choke her to death as having a boxer-like build and a, quote, flat nose. Despite being shown a picture of him, she never identified him positively as a suspect. Um, The 22-year-old Margaret, she was actually brought before a secret grand jury to testify about her attacker, And she stated there that the man looked like DeGrazia. What she said happened was uh, she asked for money up front. The man with the flat nose did not like that. He lunged forward and grabbed her throat. She said, he just lunged at my throat and he tried to, you know, he was twisting my neck. He tried snapping my neck. And he told me what he was going to do to me like he did to those other bitches. Yikes. Oh shit. I feel like it happens a lot where like these terrible people are like a spree killer or a serial killer and mm-hmm. they've killed before and they're doing it again and they say the same thing like, I'm gonna kill you like I killed those other girls. Yes. And then the victim gets away and they're like, He said this, you know, by the way, he said there was other girls, you know?
1: Right, like hello, let's let's check this guy out. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I'm not the first and I'm not the only one he's done this to.
0: Oh, it's it's crazy. He was, he was a good suspect. For sure. He was actually charged um, with, well, it didn't all, go all the way through. There was um, the DA, Ronald Pina. He asked the court judge for a warrant for the arrest of uh, DeGrazia, accusing him of 17 attempted rapes and assaults of other sex workers. And the worst part for DeGrazia is that he admitted to knowing the last victim, Sandy Botello. So, and he actually wrote a check for her. Goodie. So that connects him automatically to her. For sure. He ended up being charged with four counts of rape, six counts of assault and battery, and one charge of assault with intent to rape. The events of these charges occurred between, you guessed it, April of 1988 to April of 1989. Great. That, of course, is when the sex workers were being killed. Mm-hmm. So he was actually released on bail... Uh, from these charges He hired a, a new lawyer And For some reason He thought it was so necessary To get surgery To fix that flat nose of his Isn't that A fun little Clinky thing Oh It it's was just a, He was so self conscious of it <laughs> The boys in the jail Just made fun of him All the time Because it was so flat They could And yeah. all the sex workers He
1: tried to choke Yeah seriously And probably successfully did
0: I know Especially if that was his thing And they all died of strangulation
1: Hmm <laughs> I'm waving my red
0: flag. Unfortunately, less than a year after he was released on bail for those 17 charges, he was identified by a victim um, who claimed, she was a sex worker, who claimed that he had tried to strangle her again. And so he was arraigned on charges of attempted murder and assault with intent to murder. And then I don't know how this keeps happening. He posted bond (laughs) a month later and um, a month after that, he was found dead. So that was in July of 1990. He was found at the parents' house of his ex-girlfriend, mm. uh, lying face down under a picnic table.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: At first it was declared a homicide, but then they were like, no, this is a suicide. And that was it, 1990.
1: Yep. Isn't that crazy? Mm. hmm His family believes that he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and after all of that, there was no evidence to ever link him to any of the 17 rapes or assaults that he was charged with by oh. the district attorney. And there's also never been any evidence really produced by the district attorney connecting Anthony DeGrazia to any of the unsolved highway serial murders of New Bedford, Mass. Interesting. But I feel like his patterns yeah. cannot really go overlooked here.
0: Yeah, he looks good for it. But he's not even the last suspect we have here.
1: Let's talk about another one that also looks a little too good for these crimes. Yeah. Our next suspect, (laughs) 40-year-old New Bedford attorney Kenneth Ponte. He was indicted by a grand jury in the murder of Rochelle Clifford Dopierla, who had been beaten to death and strangled. Remember her? Yeah. Rochelle? One of the victims. Ponte had a history of drug use as well, and he also had a prior incident involving Rochelle Dopierla. Interesting. The district attorney suggested that Ponte had murdered Dopierla because she was allegedly planning to expose his drug activities. And you know what? That's pretty plausible. Yep. Sounds like it fits. Dopierla's mother stated that her daughter had once given her telephone number to Kenneth Ponte in case she ever needed to be reached. Hmm. and Ponte admitted to having represented Dopierla in court in April of 1988 just shortly before her disappearance when she accused another man of raping her
0: Wow that lines up too too well
1: He also represented both Mary Rose Santos and Nancy Piva in court and Nancy had also worked at his video rental shop hmm. Don Mendez had once been spotted banging on the door of Kenneth Ponte's house. Where Rochelle had also stayed for a brief period of time. Mm-hmm. Robin Rhodes had told her sister she was dating a lawyer who turned out to be Kenneth. So he had a shit ton of connections to not just one of the victims, but several.
0: Yeah, that's like five right there. Uh huh. And it's crazy because if you think about it, if he's maybe the work he does as an attorney was centered around that area with sex workers. So maybe that's how he was meeting all these women you know, like how Mm -hmm. he was having all this connection. And you know how for some fucking reason, a lot of times it's men think that they have a God complex and Mm -hmm. say, I will help the world by getting rid of these sex workers. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're not God. You're not even close. I would believe in God before I believed in you. (laughs) Second of all, you're not ridding the world of, like, garbage. You're taking people out of this world that have families and lives. Just because they work in the sex industry does not mean that they're garbage.
1: It's just the fragile male ego. Oh, my God. It's so fragile.
0: you got to tiptoe around that shit. <laughs> oh, my God. So he, But Ponte looked so good because he knew so many of these women. Mm-hmm. And he had such a long drug history including cocaine and heroin Um, when he was a lawyer that's when he fell really deep into his cocaine habit Um, even despite all this he was still allowed to carry a gun which is cool and safe Um, so I'm glad he could probably use that to intimidate sex workers Yep, it's ridiculous Um, apparently it was not unknown to the court and to people around that Ponte was known to be kind of weird to sex workers. Um, they had been told stories from women working the street, um, claiming that Ponte had severe paranoia and would even bring them to his house, bolt the doors, and not let them leave. For their safety, he claimed.
1: Holy
0: fuck. Yeah. He saw it more as being protective, you know. He didn't even, like, solicit them for sex he gave them cocaine and like tried to give them a safe place
1: just like well you gave them cocaine so and i feel like too that also speaks to the god complex if i'm protecting you i'm in control here i'm gonna bolt the door and you can't leave because i'm i'm in control god here. yes exactly and i say when you can and can't leave yeah oh he's I so creepy know. i know he's so creepy um, he moved to Port Ritchie, Florida in September of 1988, and he was arraigned on a single count of murder on August 17th, 1990. Mm. He entered a plea of, quote, absolutely not guilty, and posted a $50,000 bond. Mm. The murder charges were dropped on July 29th, 1991. There was a lack of evidence. Yeah. Um, little... Fun fact here. Yes. So the case went cold again for the New Bedford highway killings. Yet again. Until in May of 2009, police dug up the driveway and patio of Ponte's former New Bedford home with a backhoe, and they were unable to find any evidence linking Ponte to the crime. Mm. But on the morning of May 15th, 2009, Ponte was arrested for shoplifting, and he was found with... Four cans of sardines and a block of cheese stolen from a price rate store in New Bedford.
0: What the actual fuck? No offense, but, like, what the fuck?
1: Why is he stealing from a price
0: rate? (laughs) Four cans of sardines Sardines and a block of cheese? cheese? I would at least get a bag of Doritos or something and, like, a Coke. I'm not going to get a fucking...
1: Has has he had sardines before? They're disgusting. (laughs) Four cans. Oh,
0: my God. So that was weird. Yeah. That was very bizarre. So strange. On January 27th of 2010, Ponte was found dead in his new Bedford home, and his death was ruled unsuspicious, even though it was kind of suspicious. It was a little weird. He was found bloated and dead on top of two stacked mattresses. Maybe he just liked a little extra cushing, I don't know, (laughs) but it was weird.
1: Maybe all the sardines clogged (laughs) his arteries. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, too, it's very strange that the second suspect for this case was also found dead. dead. Mysteriously.
0: Yeah, not, like, of natural causes. Right,
1: Dead to, with, like, a question mark.
0: Yeah. To be fair, if he was 40 in 1988, he was probably, I mean, he was in his 60s, maybe just about. Yeah, he in was 61. So, I mean, that's not yeah. old, old, but it's not but still he was a piece of shit so i don't care. This is
1: true and it sounds like he wasn't taking the best care of himself either if he's shoplifting for cans of sardines to feed himself But like... he got he got cheese.
0: <laughs> that that cancels out the the fat and the salt from oh, this. the calcium. Yes, right. yes, the calcium, yes. that's right. Yes. And again, not the last suspect. Mm-mm. So another suspect was Daniel Tavares Jr. He was in prison for the murder of his own mother. Hmm. He had sent a threatening letter to one of the prison staff where he indirectly claimed that he was responsible for the highway killings. He was considered a possible suspect because he lived in New Bedford at the time and he had knowledge of where another murdered woman had been buried. Not related to the case, but um, yeah, so he was out of jail for killing his own mother when he was more recently convicted of the murder of two people brian and bev malk additionally he was charged with the murder of a woman named gail botello which does share same last name as one of the victims yes. who went missing in 1988 and get this later she was found to be buried under a tree in his backyard so he's a murderer period
1: and that's crazy because 1988 is yeah. the main year of when all these other women are going missing. Right. In the New Bedford area.
0: Yeah. So, hmm, interesting. He was never tried or charged with any crime relating to the highway killings, though. But he is, he kind of fits in there.
1: Um, a last potential theory that we have this is the most crazy one to me. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's so fascinating, so we had to include it. Tell me about it. Um, Some people believe that a serial killer called the Lisbon Ripper was responsible for the New Bedford Highway killings. Between 1992 and 1993, three sex workers were murdered and disemboweled in Lisbon, Portugal, with some kind of instrument that was not a knife. That's all they could determine. Okay. The serial killer was called the Lisbon Ripper, and then two more sex workers were shot dead on the other side of the Togas River during the same time period. Oh. So that's five. Yeah. In March of 1993, two detectives of the Portuguese Judicial Police traveled to New Bedford, Massachusetts to gather information on the highway killings, huh. while two FBI agents traveled to Lisbon to investigate there to see if there were any connections. Wow. New Bedford actually has a sizable Portuguese community, and many of the highway victims were of Portuguese ancestry. Really? Yeah. Shit. So this guy could have very easily had connections to the New Bedford area. Yeah. Because he was in Portugal. Yeah. Oh my god. Even crazier of a fun fact, the Lisbon murders were also linked to four similar killings that took place in Belgium, the Netherlands, Denmark, and the Czech Republic. Wow. All of these countries border Germany, fun fact. Fun fact. And the killings were between the years of 1993 and 1997. Okay. And so part of the theory is that the Lisbon Ripper had then become a long-haul truck driver. Oh. In 2011, a 21-year-old man named Joel applied to participate in the Portuguese edition of a reality show called Secret Story, where the participants try to guess each other's secrets while hiding their own. And so his secret was that his father, Jose Pedro Gages, was the Lisbon Ripper. Oh! That was his game show fun fact about himself. Oh, that's so fun. His little secret. So Gages, age 46, was arrested because of this. Yeah. And he confessed to the three slayings (gasps) in Lisbon. But because of the statute of limitations for murder, it's only 15 years in Portugal. What?! And the last murder took place in 2008, so he could not be prosecuted at that time. But he could still be prosecuted for the 2000 murder of a sex worker in Portugal, as well as similar murders in Germany and neighboring countries where he had lived in the 1990s. Oh my God. Holy shit. In 2013, Jace was tried for the Portugal murder that took place in the year 2000, but he wasn't able to be convicted due to a lack of evidence. Oh, man. It is also unknown as to whether or not he lived in the United States ever. Right. But because of the New Bedford population of Portuguese citizens right. and Portuguese immigrants, it's a very crazy possibility that it could have happened because he would have been able to travel to New Bedford. hmm
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
1: And also the fact that Lisbon police came to New Bedford to investigate, and we traded places. Yes, pretty much. So (sighs) New Bedford got two of the Lisbon police, and Lisbon got two FBI agents to look at a correlation. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. He looks
0: good for it. What do you think?
1: Me. Yeah. Ooh. I feel like it was the lawyer. I do too. Because he had way too too many connections to these
0: women. So many. And that's more than just a coincidence.
1: And they would have had at least some kind of a bond with him. Like mm-hmm. they need to go alone with him or get in a car right. with him. Or, mm-hmm. And I feel like, too, they also could have referred each other to him. Like, right. hey, I know this lawyer, yeah. especially because a lot of them were friends. Right. Like Robin Rhodes, a lot of her friends, she wasn't involved with sex work herself, but a lot right. of her friends were, and a lot of her friends were these victims. Yeah. So they all kind of knew each other. It was a network. <sighs> so they would have referred each other to him i feel like
0: yeah i think he probably is my top top contender here cuz he just there's too much but i also think anthony de Grazia is pretty good too
1: i think that's crazy that he was just <sighs> found dead in a backyard
0: yeah that's creepy definitely creepy so it is so weird but that's the case of the new bedford highway killings yeah. that are still unsolved it's crazy and clearly they need to be they need to be. It's about time. Hopefully, you know, with new DNA advancements, I feel like in the past few months, they've been solving so many cases all over the world. Mm-hmm. You see everywhere like, oh, this Jane Doe was discovered. This one, blah, blah. They even found the victim, one of John Wayne Gacy victim, his identity.
1: Isn't that crazy? Yes.
0: So, I mean, anything's possible at this For point. Sure. And it's only going to get better in that regard. So, Whew, tough one. Lots of lost, lost souls there. Yeah. Sad. But um, I want to know what you guys think. Yeah, let
1: us know you guys' theories.
0: Yeah, so to tell us, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at truecrimene.
1: All lowercase. Or
0: you can email us at truecrimene at gmail.com.
1: Or you can go to our website at truecrimene.com. You can use our submission tool to send us things. Including your theories. Theories, true. Stuff you want to talk about with us. You can be anonymous if you guys want to. No pressure to put your name. But yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.